Welcome to Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry discussing the greatest movies of all time and all the new films in theaters and streaming that you need to know about. Like us, rate us, share us. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. Hey, we're back with another edition of Movie Maniacs Halloween Weekend Edition. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry talking about the greatest movies in the world of all time. We've got a great Halloween special lined up for you later on in the show. Chuck and I will run through the history of horror in the theaters and uh, some of the memories it conjures up for us. And of course, there are a plethora of great shows that we've done. You can find it. Find us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you download podcasts. But we've done a ton of episodes of our scariest, favorite, scariest movies uh, and, and uh, all sorts of categories on horror. So check them out in our archives at, uh, uh, on Spotify, Apple or wherever. And of course, if you're listening on um, Movie Maniacs on uh, Wobo 1190 and 107.5 FM, welcome. Uh, lots of movie news to get to as well. We'll do a we're going to do Fast 6 instead of Fast 5, uh, Chuck. Uh, just for a little Halloween flair. And uh, so a heck of a lot more. Um, Chuck, uh, we welcome you into the show. We've gone a, a couple of weeks. How you've been doing? Happy Halloween, Mike. Happy Halloween. And uh, before we get started here, because uh, I did see Dune, I don't have much to say about it, but I did see Dune. Okay. We'd be, re- we'd be remiss if uh, we didn't start the show talking about the tragic events that happened about a week or so ago. We didn't get a chance to talk about last week on the set of uh, Alec Baldwin's movie, Rust. I mean, not much more to elaborate other than how tragic it is and how how horribly wrong things can go if you're not careful on movie sets. Um, my my question to you moving forward, mm-hmm. do you think well, uh, there has been talk of dramatic changes in the movie? It industry. will be. You think uh, you think one of them would be no more actual firearms on sets? Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people in the industry that are in production directors that don't want to see that. But I have a feeling that'll be the direction. Ultimately, it'll go because like everything else in our society, everything is just a hyper reaction to everything. And this reaction will probably be on steroids. So it'll probably go, I would think, uh, in my mind's eye, that route. But having said, you know, said that just, you know, taking a step back, obviously, this should not happen. This should never happen on a set. And when I first heard the story, obviously, I, I my mind went back to. Uh, what was it, 1993? 90, uh, yeah. When, when Brandon Lee on the set of The Crow. I mean, that's the first thing I thought of is like, how in the world did that happen back in 93? How does that happen? Obviously, this production was, was, was to a point uh, careless. I think ultimately the question uh, that will come out that we're all curious is anybody going to, you know, ultimately pay the price for a human life? being lost to some extent obviously nobody woke up that morning saying you know we want anybody to get hurt or get killed right that's a that is a given i think that is one of the 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 facts that you know some people i think forget i mean everybody and not everybody but a lot of people in this culture just want to you know put people on the cross and and bang you know bang the nails in um i mean now listen alec bowen i don't know i wasn't obviously we're on the set i say to myself my, my only question is why would he point a gun at some like why would you point a gun at somebody Directly whether at someone yeah. you know it's not it's not a plastic gun that you would buy in walmart right you, you, right i mean so it does most likely it is a gun right now obviously you, you know it's supposed to be blanks whatever uh you're not supposed to fire a real round but i mean i don't think i would pick up a gun and point it at somebody and pull the trigger yeah but would you no, not that, not that it was his fault, because no, I'm not no, saying I no, don't it's think not, it's not, it wasn't yeah. a fault. But whoever was responsible for handling the gun, checking that gun, prepping that gun, that's negligence. Right. So and, and they're uh, going to actually, you know, you talk about they're they're going to pay. That's for sure. There's somebody's going to pay some. Yeah. some somebody's probably going to do a few months of this. Yeah, I and they're, they're going to lose a lot of the, the uh, production company is going to lose a lot of money in the pocket. Yeah, I mean, too, insurance so. company's probably crying. But having, having I would also make I would make the assumption that this production will never go forward. No. I doubt it. Huh? I think what's fascinating here, Chuck, is, yeah. you know, uh, it, it, again, the the um, overlap of political politics. Yeah, and unfortunately, that, and, it, and, it, and, it's and, like, just, and just this age of social media yeah. where we're, we're literally uh, and I know you don't like Halloween kills, but I do think that is was an interesting, you know, subtext to the, the lynch mob mentality. It Absolutely. just seems like it Absolutely. just seems like 
uh, again, here we here we go. You know, the lynch well, mob mentality's out. And then the worst pot. I mean, I, I mean, it shouldn't happen to anybody. But if you yeah. if you were going to pick out one actor that the GOP or the Republicans oh, can yeah. say, I let's mean, put up on a mantle and make an except. Uh, if and, this and, was right, any other actor, this thing might be already gone in the news. Cycle, I mean, listen, so. if this was Gary Sinise, right? Let's right. Just say it was Gary Sinise. John Voight. Right. It was. If it, yeah, it was. It, it, it just shows you the political divide. We, even something as tragic as this can yeah. be used as an example of yep. what side, quote unquote, you are on. And that's yeah. the, the and, it's and, a and bummer. If, it is a bummer. And 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 anybody that can relish in the tragedy that Alec Baldwin had to go through. That's and just, listen, he's got evil. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. He's already paid the price because yeah, he's, he's got to live, live with this every the day. rest of his life. And every it's day. not easy. That is not no. easy to do. It, no, and it is, I mean, I, I would expect anybody to take a step back, think about, you know, what transpired. Yeah, uh, it's got to be a pretty brutal uh, mental, mental, mental punishment that's ingrained in his mind for the rest of his life. No doubt about it. No doubt about yeah. it. But, um, uh, moving Senseless. For, yep, it is. Uh, moving but, forward. but at the end of the day, certain things, accidents do happen in life. Right. Yeah, they do. There are, they bad do. Num- there are bad numbers in life. Yes, right? Sometimes are. a deer can run in front of your car. Yep. Right. Yep. You, you just like bad, bad, you know, a tree falls down at the wrong time. You don't know, things make, do things do happen that it just pure chance of bad. Don't try to make any sense of it because you can't. You really yeah, can't. You can't. Yeah, no. Um, all right, Chuck, I did get a chance to see Dune on HBO Max. And I got to mm-hmm. tell you, I, if you like the if you like the uh, subject matter, I guess you're going to be into it. But it's so slow moving for me. I, I don't know. I think fans of the the book and, and the original movie series uh, movie, they might get into it. And Dennis Villanueva uh, is a great director with fantastic imagery. It's a it's a special effects extravaganza, but I couldn't get into any of these characters. I, I'm sorry. Um, and I know they already announced a part two coming out October 20th, 2023. Um I don't. And I know it made forty-one million dollars last weekend at the box office. Better than expected. Yeah. So, considering you can watch it on TV too, that's pretty darn good. I don't know if I'll be running to the theaters, despite the all-star cast and everybody being in it. I, I, I don't know. To Where me, it's watch? just a poor film. Yeah, I watched it on HBO and, Max. And you found you found it slow moving on yeah, HBO Max. And and, and okay. I'll be honest with you, I watched it yeah. in separate settings. I didn't watch it all at once because it's okay. well over two and a half hours. It's just uh, I don't know. I couldn't get it. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe was there a high point to the film to you? Um, the ending's pretty good. The special okay. effects are great. I mean, the special effects are just phenomenal what he can do. And I'm a big fan of the Villanueva. I mean, he did Arrival. Mm-hmm. I was love that movie. I love Prisoners. Yeah. I think that's a fantastic yeah, film, too. too. And the uh, Sicario movie is fantastic. So I, I wanted to like it more, um, but I'm happy that it has an impressive. I wanted to make money. I yeah, it was a good make, opening weekend. It's good. It's, it's a real good opening weekend. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to see anything other than the uh, recent trailer for the uh, really the blockbuster movie everybody's going to be talking about in the next couple months. And that's um, Bruce Willis's new film. Uh, yeah, I did. What, what, the name of it again. Is it Deadlock or yeah, uh, dead, some, dead? Is it Deadlock? I don't know. It's I, something. I think, it's yeah, something I, like I, that. Yeah, here's the thing. I, I was I was. Oh, wait a minute. The, but we're burying the lead. Who's the star of this movie, Chuck? Patrick Muldoon. <laughs> he was in Star, Starship Troopers, right? Yes, he was. He was in Starship okay, Troopers. Here, here's the thing. I'm 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 I'm. Going through YouTube, I watch trailers or whatever. I did occupy my time sometimes right. in the morning at my ice cream parlor, right? Right. So I see the oh, new Bruce Willis trailer. Got excited, I click didn't on, you? I click, well, I, I, I knew it was going to be, right? Uh, another schlock production that he does for this one production company producer. And, uh, and I see, I see uh, Patrick Muldoon uh and I, it, it, I'm watching the trail, and it, it, it looks okay. Obviously, production value is not uh, a diehard <laughs> movie, but I mean, Patrick Muldoon looks—he looks—he looks not. He don't. No, I mean, he, it's, it's, he of, looks like he just crawled out of bed. To be yeah. honest with you, I and he had some that, cosmetic. He had some cosmetic. Like, work I'm, like too. I'm like, I'm like, how do they cast these movies? And Bruce Willis gets second billing in the trail, although, although at the end in the credits, although he looks like the star of the film. He is the villain, like, by the way. This is Die Hard at a dam. If you're wondering what the premise yeah. of this movie, it's die. He's a he's now the we villain. talked about we were texting each other after we watched this trailer. Right. And <laughs> I, I would speculate that Bruce Willis probably arrives at the set. I unlikely he uh, studies his lines. He's probably they probably hold up a cue card yeah. before each take. He reads the script quickly. Um, I don't know what to say. It's hard to believe. And we've talked about this many, many a time on this on the show. It's hard to believe this is the same man who starred in the greatest pure action movie ever produced, Die Hard, back 
in uh, 1988. And Die franchise is a great franchise. The last one I'm not a fan of, but we will never. Here's the thing. I am 100 percent positive now. We will never see a diehard John McClane movie with Bruce Willis. That no. game, it is over. That ship has sailed. Uh, there's no way 20th Century Fox, now owned by Disney, is going to bankroll a diehard movie of $100 million plus. It'll be a different Bruce star as John he's, McClane. He's, yeah. yeah, he's watered down his career to such an extent. Well, and obviously, it, I think it's evident uh, that there's a reason he's not doing big studio films. His personality, likability, I don't know what it work is. Work ethic, but, uh, I'm sure it's hard a lot to of believe. Things. Chuck, he's got three movies already completed to come out this year, including Deadlock. And then already for next year, he's got six movies in post-production and none of them, uh, none of them are. It's all the same producer production. He has a deal. They pay. They I don't know what they pay him. Maybe a million bucks for a weekend's work. Uh, but here's the thing. What Chuck, the I don't understand. Where's the where's the pro- where's the profit margin for these? Movies? I don't know. I have no, where are they where making are they, money? I mean, there's, here's the thing, there's so much streaming entity. I mean, you could say five years ago, right? When you go home and you, you, you're you fishing through, you know, you're on Blue Ridge Cable out of Pennsylvania, Northeast, right? So you see all this streaming product and you'll say, OK, I never heard of this stuff, but let me watch a trailer. Maybe I'll watch. Now there's so much quality streaming. How does anybody find the schlock? What's the purpose of it? And I ask you this. You think anybody's fooled by this? Do you think people see these movies come out and like, oh, my God, I can't wait for the next Bruce Willis? Are, are there There's a, a are, segment? There's got to be 10 percent. that think they think the production levels of a diehard. I don't know. This is not a studio film. This is not a production that is worth uh, really not only worth watching, but certainly not where we won't play in a movie theater. Um, you know, th- these were projects 30 years ago that would be like a, Sort of interesting, fun, but not with all the content out there. It's just I I find it an absolute abhorrent waste of time. And it's interesting because you see the same crop of like B-level, second level actors in these movies with him, like Chad Michael Murray or Jesse Metcalf or even Patrick Muldoon. It's the same Jonathan Skech, you know, that that kind of the the, the people that, oh, I know them from something, but none of them are any real stars. And his next one's called Apex. His co-star in that one is Neil McDonough who a lot of people would recognize he was in Minority Report and a couple other movies. Uh, uh, he, he had a, a TV series. I think it was pretty popular. Um, he's, uh, but it, it's, it's incredible that um, there's a production company putting money behind it. Somewhere, somewhere, somebody's making money, Chuck. They have these, to be. Uh, they, they have to be. They're uh, being well, sold. They're being sold to overseas territories and streaming outlets. Um, I would love to know the breakdown, though. Well, coming coming off of that and how he's a sellout, I found it an interesting story that came out uh, yesterday Mm -hmm. is that Will Ferrell turned down twenty nine million dollars to do do an elf sequel. I mean, that is incredible that an actor would turn down that paycheck. I I guess he read the script and said it wasn't good. Now, here's the thing. If you get if somebody gave you twenty million nine million dollars, you just go back to the studio, right? Says major that is a major Let, Yeah, let's uh, rewrite that, this thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just let's let's get some writers in to rewrite it, right? Uh, it is interesting. So. You know how popular Elf has become over the years. And there's so much. Listen, there's so much. We always talk about this. If you make a Christmas movie, right? Yeah. Good, bad and different. It's going to play at Christmas time. They all they all do. Right. So you have a you have a handful of classics, not a lot. Right. And you have a lot of movies, Christmas movies that are just pedestrian, m- mediocre. Elf is one of the most popular. And it's the classic. It's good. Instant right? classic. It's real yeah. good. Yeah. Right. So you would think that it would almost be imperative for the studio to get a follow up. Yeah. Well, what they good, did do, right? they did make a Broadway musical out of it yeah. and very successful one at that. So they've done that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it maybe it goes to show you that there are some people in Hollywood that'll take know something is sacred and not water it down for, for the almighty buck. I mean, Will Ferrell. Who? Tell uh, me. Well, Will Ferrell is uh, I example. So. A. I mean, here's a guy who who maybe sees this. Well, you know why? Because a lot of these people creatively, they look at things differently. You could just bounce into another one and make 20 million. So, yeah, that's what I mean. Maybe just not make, right now, but he could a few years ago. It just makes Step Brothers two or Anchorman yeah, three. He's right, going to make right. that money, you know? Yeah, right. Exactly. How about Bill Murray? Word comes out. He's in the new Ant-Man movie, Chuck. I wonder if it's like a cameo is Bill Murray. You think they would actually do something like that? Oh, maybe uh, like, like hey, in, uh, Bill Murray's in the quantum verse, right? Yeah. Is it <laughs> hey, Bill, then, I, hey, uh, let me help you out. Uh, well, the question is, yeah. do we know for sure if he's in afterlife? I Ghostbusters? guess we do. I, I, I'm assuming he, I'm assuming 
he is, but I don't know 100%. I, I listen, I still, I, you know, what's interesting, just take a step back. When we talk about the box office, it, it just here, here's the trend is that there's a, one movie a week that opens big very well, right? Yeah. And then everything underneath it sort of is like, um, I don't want to say it has the legs, but they don't have the legs. I think the studio really needs to sustain. Like if you look at the drop off, I know it's a horror film, but Halloween Kills goes from 50 million to 17. That's, you know, 70 percent. Well, you think some people Halloween season, they probably sustain itself a little bit better than 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 that. And even the even even Bond has had a fairly quick drop off here, uh, at least in the uh, at least here here in the states. So, so you know, for, for things to completely get back to normal, you have to have films opening big, but the staying power two two and three have to I think have to be a little more stir, sturdy uh, and hold up better than they have been for the multiplexes to say, okay, we're doing okay. Well, the next big well t- this weekend, last night in Soho comes out. It is a uh, Edgar Inter- uh, interesting trailer. Interesting trailer. But I don't Ed- think it's going to do much business. Now it's somewhat of a horror movie, and it does have yeah. uh, what that guy who did um, the the Baby Driver, right? That director's behind yes. it. So uh, Edgar was it Edgar Wright? Is that his Edgar name? Edgar Wright. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the, the, I, I would see it, but I'm not in the not in the theater. Not in the theater. Or, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, and then you'll have uh, Marvel's Eternals come out uh, November 5th, which you'd think with the name Marvel in front of it, even though these are lesser known. The, the buzz superheroes. is tepid, though. The buzz is, is tepid. Yeah. yeah, it's tepid. I mean, I think people just go see it to see what the tag endings are at the end and see if there's anything Maybe. that progresses. Uh, having story said along. that, I, I would be surprised if it opens big, big, but I'm sure it'll open. And I saw the trailer for Clifford, the big red dog. That movie has been on hold for quite some time. too. Yeah. That's going to come out November 10th. I think that's going to have nice appeal. I think I think families. so, too, especially yeah, Thanksgiving yeah. around that. Yes, time. I agree. But Ghostbusters is liable to be gigantic, Chuck. And because I mean, I think that's the first movie that has mass appeal, not only for kids, but for adults. Universal appeal. The, yeah, universal, universal appeal to everyone. Right? And you have the most universal appealing actor leading it all. And that's Paul Rudd. You're going to be I in agree. good good shape there uh i got Chuck, one i got you, one I, we, wait we, did you we see took... the trailer to uncharted i wanted to ask you that with the uh, uh spider-man and uh, Actually, Marky i didn't Mark. watch it yeah it's pretty good i mean it's based on the video game obviously and, and he's got tremendous amount of appeal i just that video game was so old i i don't know did they, did they say in the trailer uh mark Wahlberg and uh in uh tom holland they share equal uh yeah it looks like trailer? that yeah it does look like they share what, they team up it's, yeah kind of yeah yeah uh, it you know it's a kind of quasi Indiana Jones kind of thing, a modern day based on the video game. So it, it, tell tell me what you think about uh, Brendan Fraser being cast as a villain in uh, HBO Max's hundred million dollar plus Batgirl movie. At first, they said he played a villain named Firefly, but now they're speculating he he's going to play the character which has been portrayed in Batman King movies. Tut, so, King Tut. of King Tut, <laughs> <laughs> Carmen Falcone. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, which, you know, which has been done in uh, uh, Tom Wilkinson was awesome. And Batman Begins is that character. Um, we had an interesting conversation about his career while you told me this news. It's just he's, here's yeah. a guy that really wrote yeah. on the coattails of the Universal's The Mummy. I mean, he, he was he, good in those movies. Though. He was. He has some appeal. School Ties was good. I know uh, yeah. With Honors was good. I mean, Listen, just, everybody says the same thing. Let's let's take the elephant out of the room. He's put weight on. Right. Yeah, he has. So he's weight put on. weight on. And, and you thin. haven't really seen him in a long time. Yeah. But, of substance so now you would you would say okay like why would you pick him right I, i'm assuming i'm assuming it's sort of i don't it's sort of like stunt casting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because he's a name from the past I, i'm I, I i'm very curious uh uh about about this about this project because there's not going to be batman in it and it's, it's you know the same going to be take place i would think in gotham city uh, it's sort of an unknown, at least to me, playing the title character Batgirl. But it's HBO Max, so you know they're going to throw big money into this project, probably a yeah. hundred million dollars yeah. plus. So, um, it should be interesting. But uh, let's be. be honest, Mike. The superhero trend, and we've talked about this so many times, of trends in the industry: the silent movie, the western, the buddy cop movie, the comedy. Uh, the superhero trend. I mean. It's not going to go away anytime soon, but how much how much how much recycling 
of now you're getting the second and third tier characters, right? Yeah, there are no. I mean, they're going to keep doing no the top limits. tier characters yeah. and reboot, and Batman's going to be rebooted forever because there's so many different visions. And when Tom Holland exits Spider-Man, there'll be another sure. Spider-Man, and they'll sure. reboot that friends. I don't think you're going to see another Ryan Man. I don't because I think Robert Downey Jr. is so ingrained in in in, in everything about the Marvel universe. There's only one character. Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah. Only I one mean, Tony so Stark. at least for a very very long time, probably a decade in uh, our lifetime. That's for but, sure. Yeah, but um. But it is it is a genre that that intrigues people and uh, a lot of different high quality directors like to take this swing at it. So um, I, it's going to go on for a long time. You talk about recasting pretty iconic parts. I want to segue into the trailer for and, you know, Disney and Pixar. They don't have to keep proving that they're brilliant, but here they go and uh, develop a, an origin story for Buzz Lightyear. And they mm-hmm. say bye bye to Tim Allen and they hire Chris Evans to be the voice, which is in and of itself brilliant. And the new trailer comes out. Chuck, I mean, they're here's I mean, they're like, well, what if we don't make Toy Story five right now? How can we make billions of dollars? Well, let's take one of the characters and do an origin story. I mean, it's and the trailer's really appealing. And, I'm, I, you know, all due respect to Tim Allen, I know he's got, kind of got off the deep end a little bit politically and he said some things he probably shouldn't have said. But um Disney just doesn't even stop and says, well, why don't we get Captain America to be Buzz Lightyear and the way we go. And it'll be a big winner. It'll be a huge winner. It, it's going to be a slam. One dunk. thing about Disney, certain properties, they they know what they're doing. They got yeah. they got good creative people. They 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 obviously take the temperature of the mainstream to know what's going to hit what they want. Uh, and they and they do it for the most part. They do it right. And I'm telling you that Toy Story series is all four movies are perfect. They're all perfect movies. We've done very, very well. All right, what else you got? Any I, other? I got, uh, movie I got news? one thing this week in movie history, Mike Terminator was released. Oh, boy. In, in theaters back in uh, 1984. I was reading some of the f- footnotes on this. And, uh, you know, ultimately, <clears throat> this movie obviously put James Cameron on the map, right? Uh, it's a great film. And it shows you that on a moderate budget, serious, well thought out, projects back in the day can be highly effective and this was a great example because we were talking about via via text how we miss you you send me a picture of a of a uh, a miniature somebody posted on twitter of of a of a set from earthquake back in 1974 and we talked about miniatures back in the day and how uh everything was practical effects you didn't have cgi and, and ter- terminator was really the product of a really painstaking process of doing everything in practical effect. And it was extremely thought provoking with the yeah. sci-fi uh, and the time travel. Sam, Winst- that movie. Sam Winston but, did some yeah. of the, the, the miniatures and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, but it ultimately makeup. Arnold Schwarzenegger went in and he read for Reese, the good guy. Right. <laughs> and and, and uh, ultimately Cameron came up with the idea with Schwarzenegger to let him play the Terminator, which is the bad guy. That role, uh, Evanelli was offered to Stallone and Mel Gibson turned it down. And then the studio, from what I read, came back to Cameron and said, "Why let's cast O.J. Simpson as, as a Terminator. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Cameron didn't want to do that. He had a gut feeling on Arnold. And, uh, you know, I, that is Arnold's probably his, his signature role. You know, Stallone has Rocky, yep, and, uh, Rocky. And, and, and Rambo Rocky. And, 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 and Schwarzenegger has the, the Terminator. But, uh, you know, all the acclaimed Terminator 2 gets and it's a terrific movie. But I still think Terminator, the original is the best one. I agree 100 percent. And I, we've recently rewatched it. My daughter and I first time she's seen both movies and she likes the second one. Obviously, I mean, second one is just more pure action movie and uh, has a lot of fun stuff in it because he's a good guy in it, too. And and she yeah. enjoyed that. Um, but yeah. the first one is so gritty. Um, Michael Bay. That, 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 screech, that screechy that screechy score. Yeah. So she like when you at the end. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's highly effective. And my daughter is now fascinated in audience reaction and theaters. Um, and she'll often ask while we're watching an older movie, did they cheer at that part that they what was the, re-? you know, so I told her, you know, the I'll be back. I mean, you got to watch for these signature moments. And, and um, I, so we watched the first one and I'll be back. You know, it is a signature moment. But at the time when you're watching that in the theater, you don't know that's going to become iconic. So I said, now watching the second movie, uh, uh, Bella, you're going to see. All these they 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 tamp they tamper the movie with a bunch of signature moment and lines. 
Yeah. And you'll hear him say, you know, come with me if you want to live, that kind of right. stuff. You, you yeah. know, it's reminders. And then but, audiences would react to that. Yeah. So, I, I, I just want to say that I just want to say this, you know, people of this generation don't realize because everything's so highly hyped and you're so f- injected with what you're going to see. You sort of know what you're going to see before you see it. Yeah. See, when you walked into a movie theater back in 1984, which we be- both believe was a signature year for pop culture movies, like one of the, the greatest genre year of all time, right? So many great movies in 1984. But a lot of those movies, when you walked into a theater back then, Mike, most of it was surprise. You you had no well, idea. You had no idea really what you were going to experience because there was no there, you didn't see trailers. There's, there's no sequels and no right? trailers. You didn't right? See yeah. Trailers you didn't. You, you weren't bombarded with images, right? Yeah. You 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 weren't. We weren't a thousand articles a minute, right? Uh, and, and so when you walked in the theater, this was all fresh. It played yeah. out and like, wow, this point. is really this is really this is really awesome. I had no idea. What, what to expect. Yeah, I remember in 84 going going to a double double feature and one of the movies was Night of the Comet. I, I and, yeah. and I wound up loving that film. And I, I had no idea what I was going to watch from the first frame to the last. It was completely fresh. And a movie like Terminator, I remember going no. to a theater like so I had no fresh. idea. I had no idea what I was going to see. And, and it, you- when it when it spools out, when it unravels on the big screen from beginning to end, the experience is unparalleled. And now we basically we know everything when we walked in a theater before well, we watch one of these movies. And not only that, but Terminator is help. I mean, obviously, we know James Cameron's brilliant, but think sure. about it. We we were invested in these characters, not these actors. We don't know who Linda Hamilton. I'll give you another example. I, I go. I, and, I know. And, I'm, yeah, and I'm just my point is, is that we yeah. he wrote it so well. We cared about Reese and, and uh, Sarah Connor. It's not like we go in and it's, you know, uh, Chris Evans as as Reese. And, you know, we don't know that even Arnold at that time was. Here's what here's what scares me about this generation. Okay, give you an example. At my smoothie shop, I put on a movie yesterday. I said, okay, it's close to Halloween. I I can't show R-rated content on my TV because customers. Right. Yeah. So I said, let me go on. uh, Let me go on Roku. I put on Night of Living Dead from 68, which we're going to talk about a little while. Right. So I put it on and my two employees, which are uh, uh, one's 25, one was 20, 20. One goes to college at ESU. Right. So they watched literally 10 minutes to the beginning. I come back and it's they turned it off. I said, and they they have some sort of like um, uh, they have some sort of like game show on Netflix on. Right. And I'm like, this doesn't look like Night of the Living Dead. And they're like, they're basically saying they were bored. Right. So they watched 10 minutes of a classic film, which still holds up brilliantly today, in my opinion. Okay. They don't want to get into character development unless something explodes or somebody goes bananas or something's rolling downhill. They lose interest quick. Yeah. That's yeah. a problem because a problem. You, you can't you can't listen. You cannot watch what is so-called a classic film unless you understand to get to a powerful ending. You have to develop character and it takes a little time. You have to layer yourself. You have to envelop yourself. You have to get involved and be intertwined in the experience. You can't just expect the world to blow up in the first five minutes of, of watching something. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. Well, let's uh, let's. Uh, move forward here. We're Go going ahead. to walk through our uh, historical moments in horror um, between Chuck and I. Let's do a fast six, Chuck, because I was fascinated. Halloween day. There are, you know, six actors that uh, we can run through. Now, th- th- there's a different levels for each one. If we could even come up with the signature role that we can think of uh, for fast six. And I'll go for uh, ones that we probably won't want to take any time on to the one that we will at the end. So here's six actors or actresses all born on Halloween day. Chuck Ken Wall, Ken Wall. Wow. Obviously wise guy, right? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I was watching o- older. Uh, this, I, have, I'm, I subscribe to a, a Facebook page where they where they where the person who runs it puts movie ads on right. like older movie ads, which I right. think is really cool. And he did a, a movie called I think it's the taking of Beverly Hills. I remember that movie, 1991. Right? Yeah. So I yeah. watched the trailer and I was like, Holy cow. I don't even know if this would be on schlock streaming, uh, <laughs> but he, he he was in the Wanderers, right? That's yeah, a Wanderers classic film. Yep. How yep. good is that movie back in the day? Right. Very good movie. And, Very and good Ken movie. Wall was on Wise Guy. He had issues. He had issues, I think, with substance abuse. And Vinny, Vinny Terranova, right? Remember yeah, Vinny Terranova? And, and, and he was in Fort Apache, the Bronx with Paul Newman. 
And he right. hasn't done he, and he doesn't have a acting credit since 1996 when he. Yeah, I mean, his career just died. Yeah, absolutely. but he had an, he had a good look. Yep. He, he had a he had a he had a good he had an interesting voice, you know, sort of northeast. Very you know, northeastern. Yeah, very. Right? Northeastern. Okay. But I guess wise guy would was his ultimate claim to fame. Um, All right. I would say it wasn't uh, it wasn't the taking of Beverly Hills. No, it, it, never, it, it never it never caught on. Um, here's another a, die. That was another die hard. Die hard in Beverly Hills. It was like a yeah. confluence of die hard and, and uh, Beverly cheap, Hills cop. Cheap, cheaply done. Yes. How about uh, Rob Schneider, Chuck? Could you even come up with something? Deuce Bigelow? I know you're a huge fan of that series. <laughs> Am I? Listen, he's always fun. He's always fun. Listen, Adam Sandler, you put him in a Gromanos movie. Yeah. He, he's he in works. most of his movies, right? Yeah. Listen, I, I, I got to tell you one thing about him. You show his picture to 100 people, maybe 100 won't know his name, but they're going to know who he is. 95 would. They're going to know who would. he is. Right? So yeah. that, that, that in itself... It's pretty awesome. All right. This next name will get uh, Chuck the opportunity to talk about Coyote Ugly for five minutes. Uh, Piper Paraboo um, wow. is how old is oh. she? She oh. is 45 years old. I got to tell you, when I sat in a the theater, I remember the opening weekend of Coyote Ugly. Right. And I know the critics were unkind, but I went with my wife at the time. We watched it. And I got to tell you. What year did that come out? Coyote Ugly. Uh, Coyote Ugly was 19, uh, nine, no, 2000. Okay, 2000. All right. I remember watching on the big screen. I got to tell you, Mike, I love that movie. Yeah, it's good. And and I said to myself, this girl, to me, watching that movie, I said, this girl has the appeal of Julia Roberts. I know it's probably a stretch, but I'm telling you, that movie, you watch that movie, you watch her performance, how the energy, the natural, the, the just the appealing aspect of, of her. I, I thought she was pretty awesome. It never took off. I mean, she no. was in a couple of cheaper by the dozen movies and she did yeah. that, a couple she, of short lived uh, series. It never, in her, her, it never they never cast her correctly after that film. They, you don't go from you don't go from the lead in her chemistry with John Goodman is really good in that. Really movie, good. Right. He's a great father. And you pick out yeah. fathers in movies. That's a great father. Right. Yeah. Great father. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the critics, because it was a Bruckheimer movie, they just pounded on it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, maybe it's a little, little it's, bit. It's a little exploit. It is a little it, it, exploitative. Okay. But her, her can, when, 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 when she says to the guy, the the, the love interest who's English, you know, who nobody, uh, yeah, but I couldn't tell. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup right now. Catch me let, what'd she say? Can, uh, I, I don't. I, I'm trying to remember the catch line, but uh, I found the movie very appealing. I found her very, very appealing. But you don't go from the lead in Coyote Ugly to play second banana in Cheaper by the Dozen. That that was um, that that. You needed to grow, not go. That that's not even a sideways move. Hey, Chuck. Sometimes, sometimes hiring the wrong agent can stifle a career. There's just no doubt about it. And, and listen, it, it wrong... really depends. We look at things from our point of view. Casting directors looked at it from from another. But I I think she had. I mean, she went on to do that USA TV show, right? Yeah, Covert Affairs or something Covert, like that. I yeah. mean, that lasted. I mean, I'm sure she did fairly well financially off that show. But uh, I I do like her. I liked her a lot. All right. How about Lee Grant? Oh, boy. But besides her historic turn in Airport How, 77, yeah, the, the, the swarm, right? Uh, the swarm. <laughs> she's in shampoo. Too, hey, you know, Beatty, right. By the way, you know, she's 96 years old this weekend. Holy smoke. Yeah. You I know, remember she, her in uh, teachers. Up, she, I remember her in teachers. Actually, you remember her in that? Yeah, I do. I love I love teachers. Um, she's you know, she always I don't I guess she played the bitch really well. Right. Yeah, and she directed now, a I, lot of stuff too. I know so. she was up for she was actually up for the Charlton Heston wife role in Earthquake that went to Ava Gardner. I think that would have probably been better off. I, I'd rather have seen her in that film. Actually, I still think Ava Gardner is so unbelievably over the top in Earthquake. It's right. almost like it's almost like she's in a different movie. Um. All right, let's go to Dermot Mulroney. Uh, not to be uh, mistaken by Dylan McDermott. Uh, Dermot Mulroney who is uh, 58 years old. I mean, he had a me, good run. He did. I got to tell you, I was never a huge fan. Me neither, but he was I good. Was, in, uh, he, he's in that Julia Roberts movie. That was my best friend's kid, right? wedding. It's probably yeah. the most recognizable yeah. movie um, that he was in. Uh, yeah. yeah, he was in Young Guns. Right? Wasn't he one of the Young Guns? I think is he, he is. If you look at his IMD, how much, how many movies he have in production? He's probably done a ton. He's probably no, right now. Is he still, is he still actively? Yeah, he's uh, still active. Yeah. He's got a ton in post-production. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, he was in that TV series Hannah. I think that's on Hulu. You know what's um, interesting about the industry? Once you get, once you hit and you work, start working consistently, you work a long time in that well, in, all, in the and, industry. It's really and it's, interesting. It's incredible. You got to get the break, though. You need to break. It's incredible too how people make fun of Dylan McDermott, Dylan Mulroney, but similar yeah. careers, right? I mean, uh, very recognizable faces, moderate success. If you cast them in the movie, they're always going to be good. But yet, never I, I, I wonder if a casting director ever cast one and when they show up to the set I, said, oh, I expect any other guy. I wouldn't mm-hmm. doubt it. Chuck, last but not least, born on Halloween uh, 1950. It's the immortal, the legendary John Candy, who died in 1994, believe it or not, which is just incredible. 27 years already. He's been passed away. He would have been you know, 70 years old. old this weekend. Wow. Yeah, uh, certainly a very likable guy. Somebody asked me, you know, what's the best John Candy movie? Uh, I mean, Trains, Planes and Automobiles. Yeah, but he that's did a the movie. He did a movie on, I'm, when I saw it in the theater. I didn't know what to expect. It was called Only the Lonely. Right. And yeah. he played a, a son to his mother. And Ma- Maureen, I think Danny was, Muldoon. Yes. Danny was Muldoon. It Maureen Stapleton. Yep. Yeah. OK. OK. No, no. Uh, Maureen O'Hara. Maureen, Ma- O'Hara. Maureen O'Hara. OK. I thought that was an awesome movie. Mm-hmm. I thought that was some of his finest acting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was just a really good movie. And I thought he did great acting in Cool Runnings. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, of that that's movie. a good that's movie, a, too. That's a good movie. One of his later movies. It's it's a Disney film, but it's really more of an adult movie. Um, but come on. I mean, uh, Uncle Buck and the great outdoors and the space balls. I mean, a guy did it all. Even his space movies, balls really. <laughs> armed and dangerous with Eugene Levy. Even that movie's funny. Um, yeah, that's a funny movie. I, when he tells Clark Griswold, the park's closed. Uh, you know that? I mean, just he. he I got to tell you something about Uncle Uncle Buck. It never rubbed me the right way. Nah, I, I but still, I, I, it has a it's still iconic, I though. It's still yeah, iconic. And uh, and Home Alone. I mean, even his Gus Polinsky. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, he, he is a moral. That was one of the most. That was actually one of the most interesting extended cameos of all time. Absolutely right. Absolutely, and that's just a. Total, to, I mean, obviously, it was just it, 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 a favor for John Hughes. It, it was. Right? It was. Yeah, right. I mean, they wrote that role. They said, "Okay, let's let's do something a little fun around the edges," and they 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 cast the right guy. Well, and then you go back to his early work and as Ox and Stripes and Lean Mean Fighting Machine. I mean, he's hysterical yeah. in that movie yep. um, and he's in Splash. He plays Tom Hanks brother. Very iconic yeah. funny movie. Just yeah. uh, e- even Brewster's Millions, Chuck. Not a very funny movie, but he just elevated a good concept of a movie yeah, and and and. And a good pairing with him and Richard Pryor. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's, I remember watching that and I actually went to the theater twice because I in those days I used to just buy time and go to different movies. Uh, that that movie, Brewster's Millions, I, I always like the concept is really good. It's just like it's a definition of mediocreville, right? It's not yeah. bad. It's not good. It's it's OK. It just stays OK from beginning to end. Chuck, as we start the history of uh, horror movies on Halloween here, I, yeah. you know, I, it's a topic and you and I love We're huge fans of the genre. I want to ask you this question. Um, when was the first time and what maybe what movie was the first time you realized you could be petrified watching a film? Do you remember like the first time? Because I, I could tell you well, in, a th- in a theater, it was definitely Friday 13th back in 1980, because that was the first time I was ever introduced I was that was the start of the slasher film. And I got I remember sitting in a theater. I went with a friend and a friend's older brother who took us in because it was rated R. Mm -hmm. And I got to be honest with you, I I never experienced anything like that in my life. And I sat there and I was literally on pins and needles. I I was my anxiety levels were very high. And I guess when it got up to the point of the Kevin Kevin Bacon kill, like I was really taken back how how uh, how in your face. It, it was. And I, I got to tell you, when I walked out of the theater and people walked out of the theater, you know, we were pretty edgy uh, because we were not, you know, back in those in those days, I was 1980, although I'd, I had seen Halloween on cable, not in the theater. I did not see Hall- Halloween in the movie theater, no, nor did WHG, I, nor did I, the antenna, yeah. the antenna streaming service back back in the day where, basic, where they called it basic, basic cable as the first innovation of basic cable. So. Uh, but Halloween, let's be honest, was a bloodless film. We talked about this. It's not a yeah. it's a it's a it's a suspense movie. But Friday 13th, 80. Um, right around the same time. Right, right um, there. Right around the same time. A similar experience um, yeah. on WHT, not in the theaters. Right. The first time right. I was scared, uh, senseless. Yeah. And I remember the buzz of the movie being in theaters in 1979. And then I finally got to see it on WHT. But mm-hmm. the tall but the tall man in Phantasm. Right. I mean, that 
scared the ever loving crap out of me. The ball, the metallic ball, the the little miniature trolls. And the, it's very uh, interesting move. It's a very interesting movie. It, it and you know, rewatching it, it the the, it, the visuals are, are incredible and scary as hell. I mean, the story itself is all over the place. It but, is all over the place, but but it but it does harken back to what we said that in between period where you didn't have the big money, you had a lot of good ideas, you had yeah. a lot of good concept, and you had to utilize the concept and come up with a production without a ton of money and make it work. And that movie, that movie made it, made it work. Oh it boy. Was really interesting. And I just, uh, watching it in, in the dark, uh, uh, living room, it's just scary as heck. And then the ending now, itself. Now, do you remember the first time you saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I do. Um, uh, and you know, it was scary. It was it very, wasn't effective. In, I did not it was see way it after theater. the fact. Yeah, I, it was I, way after you, the I'm fact. I'm glad I didn't see that movie in the theater. Yeah. Because yeah. when you watch a movie like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the rawness of that film, and let's be honest, of the one they've, you know, they, they've done a handful of uh, actually eight Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. And the one thing <laughs> when you watch one of them, you're going to be scared to a point, no matter which one you're watching, because the concept of a guy running around with a with a, a human face mask with a chainsaw is going to creep you out. Right. No, it's yep. just going to creep you it, out. It, and, and it's so gritty. The, Part the two is stock. one of the most interesting in that franchise because it's so weird. It's so bizarre. Dennis Hopper is a character of, of, of Lefty. It is a bizarre, bizarre sequel. It's too has, campy. It's too campy. It is very campy. It, yeah. it is very campy. But but how uh, about those movies from Wes Craven, like The Hills Have Eyes and The Last House on the Left? These Hills are gritty, was gr- I mean, these gritty. are gritty movies, man, that that really they almost play as documentaries. Uh, you know, let's just bounce into a lot of different things here. Wes Craven. Let's talk about Wes Craven. I mean, ha- he he is, uh, you know, 1984, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. I remember watching that film and. It scared the heck out of me because it's very serious horror, mm-hmm. right? It has, a, it has a very spooky boogeyman in Freddy Krueger. Robert Englund was born to, to play that role. It had a great lead, a great heroine, right? In, in uh, Heather Lanikamp as, as Nancy. That is a very fleshed out, really good script. And the concept of that movie, from what I read, is he read articles about postpartum with military officers about having trouble sleeping, right? And having some really ferocious, vicious nightmares. That's how he got the concept of doing that film. And he's done a lot of horror, uh, Wes Craven, some good and some bad. Obviously, he got the Scream franchise later on, and that is Scream 1 is a, a modern-day classic. But he did Hills Have Eyes, which is really effective. But he did two other movies, which were misfires, but interesting. Let's just talk about one was a movie called Shocker. Give me your opinion of that film. Yeah, high concept, not a lot of scares. Um, but here's it, the thing. Let me just the problem you, with that movie the is first, they were, they were the first, I'll just yeah, hold on. Yeah, the, the problem yeah. with that movie is they were more concerned with making an offshoot of a Freddy Krueger yes. character instead Horace of an actual Pinker, movie. Horace yeah. Pinker, played by uh, uh, Mitch Pileggi, right? He's a right. good actor. Let's right? just have here's him the, say witty lines when he kills somebody. Well, here's, and, the, here's the thing. And, and I'm going to talk about this and then we'll bounce into Deadly Friend. OK, when he I remember going to a movie theater to see Shocker. I did a little more publicity at this point for movies, right? And I'm looking forward to it. And I got to tell you, the first 30 or 40 minutes of that movie, I love. I think it's awesome. It's the setup. It feels it feels like really good filmmaking. It puts you in a world that's sort of gritty. I like the characters. I remember John Tesh of Entertainment Tonight is in it. And he... he oh, that's right. He, he, does the, he does the broadcast of, you know... Uh, of a horror, horror, you know, there's a there's a, there's a serial killer on, on on the loose. So I love the first 35 minutes and then it veers off into the body switching and you could tell it, it gets silly. Some of yeah. it's just really silly. So some of it's really good, gritty, solid filmmaking. Some of it's silly. The ending sort of tries to, you know, redeem itself and jumping through TVs. And Peter Berg is, you know, who yeah, went on to star. become a really yep. popular director. Yep is the lead and he's a really interesting lead actor. And I, I, it's, it's what you call an interesting misfire. Now, deadly friend, same thing. First, like 40 minutes of that movie feels like a Spielberg movie. Like, like they're setting up ET. Yeah. Right? Uh, BB is the robot and the, the, the actor Kirstie who was Swanson. On, the, well, Swanson. The, but the main actor who was from little oh, house from on the prairie, little house on the prairie. Right. Yeah. 
I, I, the, the first half hour of 40 minutes is super appealing in that movie. And then when the father, the abusive father kills her, she comes back as, as the, the robot goes into her and it becomes a, a very different animal. A slasher uh, movie. It turns into a slasher yeah, it movie. It turns into yeah. a slasher in the basketball scene. When the she basketball scene basketball, is quite remarkable. You know, I will pops, admit to pops that. Pops the head off uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the woman from the Goonies, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, but again, he did. That's, again, another interesting misfire. And then also, you know, People Under the Stairs, which has a huge cult following. He've, I mean, the Horror Hall of Fame, Wes Craven's, you know, got to put him in there. No doubt about it. And I would also say, too, if you go back to, you know, I wanted to ask you, like the first mainstream movie I remember seeing in theaters when I was younger, yeah. was, uh, the two of them, American yeah. Werewolf in London and Poltergeist and Poltergeist were really the first early impressions of really and getting great scared. impressions. Yeah, great I mean, impressions, well right? done, scary images. Well, um, let me ask you a question. Did today's generation, if you said American Werewolf in, in, in London, would they even know it? I probably I don't think not. So. Probably it hasn't not. resonated. It hasn't resonated the way it should. But Poltergeist, but Poltergeist has. has. I think that one has. And I think, yeah. you know, so there's been four Poltergeist movies, the original they did two sequels and a reboot, right? And, and, a, a, reboot. And, a re, and a and a reboot. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of a part two. The third one is like watchable schlock. Uh, the reboot has a, a appealing leads, but it's really just a retread. I mean, the, yeah, not, I the mean, first one's great, though. Yeah, the and we first know the one story is, is Toby Hubert is the director, but a lot of people say Spielberg came in and took the project over. It feels like a Spielberg movie. Yeah, There's no doubt about it. Um, There's no doubt about it. You know, and then can you I know, just we, do one. Can I just let's go ahead, just yeah. go, let's go straight back. Right. You ever see a movie called Nosferatu? I've, I've seen clips of it in, in film school. We okay, had to watch it's a silent it too, so. vampire movie from 1922. I did a revival of it a few years ago because it is what they call. Um, uh, you don't have to pay for the rights. It's public right. domain. Right? right. So we we screened it off, off a Blu-ray, put a Blu-ray in an oppo or for you know, $75,000 projector. And it is spooky. The way oh, the, the vampire looks. Oh my god! But yeah, and it's, it's it's an image. It's really an image movie. That's really it's it's like it's, it's sort of a hard movie to follow from beginning to end. But you know the horror franchise goes back. You think in it and believe it or not, nineteen thirty one, the first Frankenstein movie comes out. Same year, Dracula. Dracula yeah, uh, with Boris Koloff, right? What he won the Wolf of Mania. You got you got Boris Koloff as Frankenstein. Bella Lugosi, Dracula, Lon Chaney, the werewolf. These universal monsters were the staple of horror, you know, in the 30s and 40s. And a lot of people, including ourselves, really fully understood this back when they when we watched the repeats of Abbott and Costello on WPIX Channel 11 yeah. in New York. But 1948, Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein, which is still an iconic, classic, fun, fun movie uh, to this day. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely is. And uh, all those movies, they made a ton of those movies like Bride of yeah. Frankenstein and uh, the, the Universal. And, and that's regarded as, as maybe the best Bride of Frankenstein, which came out uh, in, in, in 30, 30, 1935. But like when they like they just announced like they're going to do a remake of The Wolfman, Ryan Gosling. And I, I say to myself, like, like, who cares? <laughs> like, I mean, does. I'm just I hate saying that. But listen, Frankenstein, I get it. Like, you know, I remember Robert De Niro being in a, in a Frankenstein movie like 30 years, 30 years ago. And I you're going to a well with characters. And don't get me wrong. Vampires are, are, are cool. But, yeah. you know, Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman. Uh, I just don't see this generation. And, I do like know, the pa- I do like the pathos of a Wolfman though, and he knows he's bad, and he, you know, I do like that that you know you could do some interesting things with that character, could, Chuck. But, and, and, but but Frankenstein, forget it. Uh-huh. No way you can make a Frankenstein movie now and make it appealing. And remember that. I, I De- remember De Niro's Frankenstein. Remember yeah, that one. Yeah, I'm saying I, I remember. Uh, um, and then after those movies, Chuck, you, a lot of creature film, fi- cre- creature feature yeah. movies, right? With the uh-huh. With the thing uh, with the, the blob and, and early 50s, I love the right? blob. Blobs and, my, the, the, those, those were what they called. Those were fun. Those were in the blob. I just watched that on HBO Max and my 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 ice cream pole. It holds up beautifully. That movie, you know, Steve McQueen is the lead. It's just a really nifty, fun movie on a rainy sa- Saturday afternoon that you could watch and have a really fun time with it. You know, I was speaking with a friend a few years ago, I think I told this story like when Psycho came out in 1960, right? How right. when that movie was over, people walked out of the theater holding hands. Strangers were holding hands. It, it, yeah. it was that un, un, unnerving. I mean, yeah. take when you watch it today, you say to yourself, okay, technically he's brilliant filmmaking, a very interesting movie. It's not going to scare this generation though. No, no. And uh, I mean, but, you know, you never saw a lead character get knocked off. No, that was, what was fascinating about and it. That's especially was, 
and the and shower it's, it's scene. Ter- it's a terrific movie. I'm not. It's a terrific movie. I'm talking pure scare factor. I got to tell you, we talked about this, like Psycho Two that they did 18 years later. I love Psycho Two. Right. I just I, I thought that movie was so well done. Is uh, Tom Holland wrote wrote this. Uh, uh, from Charles play wrote the script and, and, and a director named Richard, uh, Richard Franklin directed that Anthony Perkins is the top of his game. And that movie just, uh, I just, I just love that movie. I think it's a great sequel. One well, of the most than, underrated sequels of all time. You know, and then in, in the sixties, you get the, the zombie, the introduction to the zombie movie, right? You, and George A. Night Renner is not of the living dead, right? Yeah. So I yeah. mean, it's interesting how dead. The different genres get introduced to us. Night of the Living Dead is iconic, mm-hmm. and we both love Dawn of the Dead, the follow up, and and Day and, of the uh, Dead. I love too. Day his first three dead, his first three dead movies are iconic. And what I just, the- you know, I was thinking about this before we went on, and I said to myself, like I was reflecting, and I remember like when we used to rent movies, which was just VHS in a box, video cassette, right? And you pop in a movie like Day in the Dead, and you like you appreciate. Like, wow, this is so cool. Yeah, yeah. And 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 now we're 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 years removed from 1985, right? Yeah, so we are. We, like if this generation pops in Dawn of the like, what's it Dawn of the Dead? Because it's so character developed, right? So character driven, Dawn. It's so thought provoking. And Day of the Dead, like what do they what will they get out of it? Too, well, they have they have to make movies instead, like Army of the Dead, where these things are running, they're running at you, right? They're 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 driving things. They're you know, it's it becomes an action movie instead of a true horror movie. Even though I yeah. liked Army of the Dead, um, yeah. I just that that's what it's morphed into. That there right there is the difference between you know the the seventies, eighties, and, no, I got and today. It, it um, is interesting. It, it's interesting too. In the seventies too, they had to find different horror, right? So they go to the demonic possession and the evil. Uh, you know, the devil really was a big in the seventies, Chuck, with the Omen and the and uh, the Exorcist. exorcist. Movie, you know, I mean, let's talk about uh, we, let's talk about the Exorcist for a second. Not you know, nineteen seventy three. I didn't see it in the theater, but I tell you, I knew people. Well, I was very very young, I, but I got to tell you, I knew people in my neighborhood, which were older teenagers that were exposed to the exorcist and had to see psychiatrists. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. And no, these I, know. Are some of the, I know. And, and I know. Like it really was a disturbing movie and you could go on and we've talked about this before, go on YouTube for the listening one, go on YouTube and look at clips of, of audience reaction of the exorcist back in 1973. It's fascinating documentary stuff on how powerful this movie was on the, on the, on the culture Back in the day, you know, people literally lined up around. I mean, think about this hardcore R-rated movie. Yeah. People were lining up around city blocks to watch this movie. That's one and, of those and, movies, Chuck. A lot of times you wish you were in a theater to be able to see yeah. these movies. I don't but know if it, I've ever I don't know if I, I'd wish that upon myself. And here's the thing. Me, too, because, you know, I grew up Catholic. Right? Right. I had to I had the dogma at that time instilled in me. And I, I've done a revival of The Exorcist. And I got to tell you, one, it doesn't feel even though it scares the hell out of you. Because it's on a psychological level, mm-hmm. highly potent, but it's it doesn't feel like a horror film in the context. It just feels like a a, re- a story because it has great character, has great actors, uh, and it has power. Unlike to me, unlike any horror movie ever made. Well, yeah, and 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 the other ones iconic from that decade, like I like the Omen a lot. Um, Omen two, not as much. The Amityville I like horror too. Yeah. Um, it, it's uh, Amityville, yeah, Amityville Horror. We talked about this. How scary we enjoy Amityville Horror. Believe it or not, they've made seven movies in that franchise. Seven movies. You know, and it's interesting. Like you'd almost say the seventies demonic possession, eighties really. Yeah. If you think yeah. of eighties horror, it's all slasher, right? It's hard to. It's, all slasher. it's hard not to look blown. at the eighties. They went full blow slasher. You know, and don't get me wrong. We all appreciate the Jasons and the, and the Michael Myers, but there was some great 80s and Freddy Krueger and Freddy Krueger. There was some yeah. pretty good heart, like the Dead Zone, we're both fans of and and Aliens and Predator. I mean, these well, are churning out a lot of steam, uh, a lot of Stephen King product, The Shining, obviously, in 1980. I always plus, said, we're you know, into, plus John Carpenter gets yes. explodes in the 80s. And, right? and I always said the Dead Zone to me, even though it doesn't follow the only the, the, the only follows the concept of the of the novel. But, you know, the Dead Zone, Christopher Walken. I, I to my favorite Christopher Walken performance, and I I, I adore that movie. I, I yeah, it's great. Is, is Stilson, and uh, it's a great movie. And a great, maybe the greatest practical effects movie of all time, and scary is the thing by John thing. Carpenter. If you want, yeah. I mean, that is just it's a, a classic scary. movie. And you know, we talked about the '90s horror. It's gained its classic status over time because it, it came out. It came out the same year as, as E.T. Yep. in 1982 when it didn't do great box office and. Uh, I think a lot of people discovered that movie on VHS. The thing I did, 
I didn't, I don't think I saw it in the movie theater. And uh, I remember watching it numerous times at home. And, uh, you know, over time, a movie's gained, you know, classic status. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about 90s horror and the rebirth of the slasher with Scream and all that stuff, too. Chuck, I think that another seminal point in horror came in the 2000s, yeah. not only with Blair Witch and the reality and yeah. the handheld stuff, but um, a more of the um, really over the top gore of the like Eli Roth kind of movies. And then the, like we went that and saw I think in the 2000s, that's when we we'll went to talk, the- Evil Dead. Let's not forget Evil Dead, too. It's Evil Dead, very Sam Raimi, yeah, right? Great Sam Raimi. Those, those are, fan, you know, first two are fantastic. The third one's really good, but it just feels different. Army of Darkness has a different feel. More, feel almost like more of a fan. He, he's like reinventing his own own franchise with with, uh, with, 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 with that with that film. Yeah, but you would agree, though, we 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 turned the corner in the in the early parts of the 2000s is when we were making these just kind of gore fest kind of over the top well, fi- final Dest- final destinations final franchise, right? It's it is franchise. Yeah, I think so. I'm not a fan of the Saw franchise because I just think oh, that's I just over the top. No, no, ori- original Saw, you don't think I'm not I remember a fan the, of it, no. Here's the thing. I remember the original Saw getting getting a lot of notices at film festivals. Right. Right. And then the movie comes out. I didn't see it in the theater. I, I watched it on uh I probably watch it on DVD and I was impressed. I, I, I thought the writing, uh, I was on the edge of my seat because, you know, the thought of somebody having to, you know, cut their, cut their wrist off to free themselves. Right. It's, it's, it's pretty creepy. Right. And it's done in a really, it has good cast. Danny Glover's in the movie. Carrie L has a really good cast. Um, I know you're a big fan I, of Shawnee Smith. I know you but, love her yeah, and all her but work. I, I, yeah, I'm not like her, but, um, <laughs> but I got, but, but they've done nine, nine saw movies. Uh, that I count Chris with, Rocks? 10, with their, t- 10. I think that's the 10th one. And, uh, you know, but, they're they're effective they're, for what they are. They're very effective. But my Some point, better than but, others, but they're good. It's a good franchise. So uh, I, 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 I'm a big fan of Cabin Fever and Hostel's yeah. Good with Eli Roth. But, I, I love Cabin Fever. I but, love Ross Cabin Fever. I remember seeing it in the theater going. This movie's good. Yeah, it's really good. But yeah. the, the the Rob Zombies and the turn for the like just over the top stuff, I could not get into Chuck. And there's been very few movies since then that's been like a quiet place, stuff like that. I'm more into the, the Purge subtle franchise. You put that in the horror I'm, category. I guess it is. I'm not. a. Yeah, I guess it's funny because the first one was a small film with with Ethan Hawke. You know, I forget. Right. It's right. a small movie. And then they upped the ante. They just opened the concept. I, I like the Purge franchise a lot. I think I it's think- very thought provoking. Well done. They're more action oriented as it went on. Yes. That's- but it's a good for it's a good friend. Fran- and then Paranormal Activity. Yeah, a, that was that's a good one. Seven of them. The first that, one's th- good. Those movies, the first one's good. Chuck, um, I would argue that. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of like, don't breathe. I've talked about like yeah. some of the recent stuff. I would yeah. make the argument that maybe the last great iconic horror movie that was made. And tell me if you disagree. Was yeah. The Cabin in the Woods. I think that's the it's most original. Um, it's very original. Um, with a good uh, cast. With a really and a great cast. cast. I think that's the one that just in the last decade or so that stands out as um if this was made in the 80s, it would still be alive today Probably. kind of thing. But all these other like, you know, all these other ones. Conjuring, are, Insidious. Yeah, these are a lot. Listen, Conjuring's a really good movie. It's yeah, a really good movie. It's a really good movie. But they're, they're, it's almost like they're, they're just making the same stuff beat for beat. Right. Like you, you said, there's not there's not a ton of originality in a lot of this stuff. And a lot of people want to give credit to 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 um to get out as a modern day classic horror movie. I don't I mean, the movie's not scary to me, right? It's not a horror movie, right? I mean, I don't think it is. It's um, more of a psychologically social message movie. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, so the modern horror movies, it would be interesting to see if we're doing a podcast in 30 years, which one of these movies we're actually talking about. Here's a a question before we end some of this. Like, why is why is Michael Myers still resonating now, I, I just don't see I mean, I, I think you could, I don't get it. I think you could reinvent Nightmare on Elm Street to a point, although I think you need England because he's so iconic in that role. But I don't know if if Jason Voorhees is going to fly in the next. Like, can you bring that back and have Chuck, a mass audience? I am shocked. I still think, think I still think I think I still think the, the reason Halloween, again, is relevant is because Jamie Lee Curtis is a name. And when they got her back. They needed that. I think without her, I don't know if it. I just don't think it flies as high as it does. I think the mask too, and the and the theme the song. score. Yeah, the well, theme that song. score. If yeah. without that score, that score, that score is, 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 is synonymized. You know, it it is 
the season. It is Halloween. It, it is. And it is the season, right? Yeah. You know, um, by calling it, if they called it like we said on the show a couple of weeks, they called the it the title. Bitty, I, I don't, it's not, the, it's, we're not going to have all these movies. By the way, if you want to go on Netflix, they, the movies that we lo- love that they did a, a retrospective on Halloween and Friday the 13th that are brand new documentaries, if you want to go back. And I learned watching the Friday the 13th one, I did not realize how much Wes Craven and Sean S. Cunningham were friends and how much Wes Craven helped rewrite and, and point him in the direction of horror for, for Friday the 13th, Chuck. So, I mean, right. definitely a good discussion. Um, we're out of time. Uh, happy Halloween to you, Chuck, our favorite, one of our favorite holidays and definitely one of our and like favorite Dan, honors. Dan O'Hall- and, and Dan, like Dan, o, uh, Dan O'Hallory's Cochrane in Halloween three, when he says happy Halloween, actually, I love that scene when, when uh, Tom Skerritt's in the, uh, Tied in the chair and he puts Tom Atkins. Tom Atkins, Tom Atkins. Would, have been, yeah. would have been interesting Tom, if Tom Skerritt was in yeah, there. Yeah, but Tom Atkins, when he puts the Halloween mask on and he's watching Halloween, and that that guy, Dan O'Hallery, who was in The Last Starfighter, yep. his line his line readings in that movie, they're pretty awesome. Well, and he, and he fired uh, in Robocop, he fired Ronnie Cox too. Remember Dan O'Hallery? Yeah. I mean, there's so, actually some talk about them rebooting Halloween 3. Uh, I think that could work in modern yes, day. I, do. I think that I do. could work. Um, I do. It's a very underappreciated movie. It, it should have been called well, you know, something the, else. You, the Halloween score yeah. again. Yeah. And that ending's downbeat. Yeah. And Tom Atkins, pretty cool dude. He is. All right, we got to wrap up, Chuck. We'll do this again next week. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, my friend? Always a pleasure to the audience. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening to Movie Maniacs. Download one of our archived episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts by Federated Media.